Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
day of the seventh day of every week Each job is our day of rest For the one above we look our best Sing a song of praise Shabbos we shall keep Ms. Marshir
Is in me. I've got the 
2.0. Before that, Besoro Tovo done by Ohad. You heard Moses and me. That was eighth day. Shalshelis Jr. had Alenu Avdecha. Brand new from Leif to Har, volume number five. 
Arye Kunstler's Mizmar Shir, Avremo with the Tcha'ani, Bowie Vishalom done by Shlomo Katz, and of course Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. JM in the AM at 23 minutes before 7 o'clock. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday on this final day of March 2017, day four in the month of Nisan, the year 5777, Tafshinai and Zion. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayikra with candle lighting time at 7 p.m. on this Erev Shabbos. 7 p.m. in the New York City area. 38 degrees. We got rain and a high temperature of 43. More rain tonight, low 40. Tomorrow morning, light rain and a high temperature of 47 degrees. 68 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 38 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Early morning request for um, uh, for a tefillot, for prayers for Moshe ben Yehudit. Moshe ben Yehudis. Um, please keep in mind for a Rafur Shlema, and we greatly appreciate that. Last night had the opportunity to uh, celebrate with the uh, with the Sprecher and Garfinkel families, Mazel Tov to Yaakov and Racheli, and of course to uh, Mendel and Fagi Sprecher and Avram and Chana Garfinkel on the recent engagement. That was the big celebration, was the very recent engagement. And we say Mazel Tov from all of us here. At JM in the AM. Reminder, this coming Wednesday, you know what's happening. Oh, yes. This coming Wednesday, it's the annual pre-Pesach show. Rabbi Schoenfeld, Rabbi Gersten, Jay Booksbaum, Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum, they'll all be here in our studio, and they'll all be part of an incredible Erev Pesach show. I know it's not Erev Pesach yet, but you get what I'm saying. The pre-Pesach program, Wednesday, with all your questions, whether it's medications, whether it's wines, whether it's procedural, whatever you have in your mind, you uh, ask us on Wednesday morning, and our panel will take care of it. And we'll answer questions, by the way, in every format, including the app comments, email, um, obviously the telephone, whatever format you have questions in, we will take them here on the air at the JM in the AM, and we are looking forward to that. Malcolm Holmline, about an hour from now with the weekly update. We'll go through some of the events and news items of the week. That's happening at 7.40 this morning, or by Uden at about 8.15 with Parshas Vayikra and plenty more on this uh, Friday morning Erev Shabbos broadcast if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
In the AM, Elu Ve'elu is done by Shlomo Katz, of course, here on a uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Uh, comes from the Yismach Melech album here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, the um, uh, the selection by uh, Benny Friedman, that was Ashira Lashem. You heard Yaakov Shweki in there with Kamu. Elokai, Micha Gammerman off of Shire Pinchas, volume number two here at JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast on this final day of March. Fourth day in the month of Nisan, the year 5777. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayikra. Candle lighting at 7 p.m. on this um, on this Erev Shabbos. 7 p.m. here in New York City on this Erev Shabbos broadcast. A weekly update coming up at 7.40. We'll have that for you here at JM in the AM. Uh, Malcolm Holmline will join us and we'll discuss the uh, events of the week and get a perspective on some of the news items that are Happening out there. Um, 
We have a full lineup, as you would suspect, uh, uh, on the Nachum Single Network all day long. Plenty coming up even after JM in the AM. The, um, oh, there we go. I was wondering where that noise was coming from. Um, after JM in the AM table for two, Naomi Nachman will feature executive chef Alex uh, Remmer from Fireside in Muncie. Jay Booksbaum of Royal Wines. And Duby Litvin, creator of the Frazzled Women's Guide to uh, Pesach. That's all happening um, on Table for Two. Then the Arab Shabbos Music Mix with a live lunch coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern Time with Mark Zomik. New time for the Friday live lunch. It'll be 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami. And, of course, don't forget Sunday morning. Check out Matis with JM Sunday beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Please keep in mind Moshe Ben Yehudis for Rafur Shlema. Moshe Ben Yehudis for Rafur Shlema. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. We're on listener sponsored W, listener sponsored digital radio. <laughs> Boy, am I tired this morning. Listener sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com. On the Nahum Siegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galaitza on the background to our news from Israel coming up and plenty more happening here on a Friday as we um, go through our regular schedule and invite you and everybody out there who you know to tune us in and to benefit from this Friday morning broadcast. want to thank those of you who have been commenting on our app. Always great comments. I like the one that says even little kids love JM and the AM. Thank you. That was a very nice thing to say. A lot of good comments so far this morning. If you want to comment, just go to the uh, NSN app for Android and uh, iPhone, and you'll uh, be able to comment on the home screen. You'll see it says there, add a comment. Pretty simple. Wednesday morning here at JM in the AM, we'll have the Pesach, pre-Pesach products program with our full panel this coming Wednesday morning. Make sure you tell everybody you know to tune us in Wednesday for all the Pesach information. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from JM נמשכת הסערה סביב הסכם תאגיד השידור הציבורי בין ראש הממשלה נתניהו לשר האוצר כחלון. ארגון העיתונאים שלח ליועץ המשפטי לממשלה מכתב התראה לפני תביעה. כתבנו נתן אלדרשן. ארגון העיתונאים המייצג את עובדי חטיבת החדשות בתאגיד פנה הבוקר ליועמ"ש ודרש ממנו להורות על הפסקת הפגיעה בעובדים אשר לטענתם ממשיכים להיות תלויים בין שמיים וארץ. העובדים דורשים שמנדבליט ידרוש מראש הממשלה ומשר האוצר לחדול מהתעסקות במבנה התאגיד ובעובדיו ולבטל את ההסדר החדש. עיתונאי התאגיד מאיימים כי אם פנייתם לא תיענה בחיוב הם יעתרו לבגץ. שבוע לחיסולו של איש הזרוע הצבאית של חמאס בעזה, ארגון הטרור מהדק את ההבטחה באזור הגבול עם ישראל. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. מקורות ברצועה אומרים לגל"צ הבוקר כי גורמי הביטחון של חמאס הציבו ארבעה מחסומים חדשים בזה אחר זה. בדרך המובילה ממעבר ארז, מרחק כמה קילומטרים, לתוך העיר עזה. במקביל, אומרים גורמים בלתי רשמיים בחמאס כי הבדיקות שנעשות שם למבקרים זרים, בעיקר אנשי הארגונים הבינלאומיים, הוחמרו. מאזן פוקהה נורה ביום שישי שעבר בפתח ביתו בידי מתנגשים, צמרת חמאס מאשימה את ישראל. פעוט כבן שנה מהכפר ערבה נפצע קשה לאחר שנפל מגובה שלושה מטרים. מבירור ראשוני של האירוע עולה כי הוא טיפס על כיסא במרפסת ביתו ואז נפל ממנה. כתבנו קובי מנדל מציין כי הפעוט פונה לקבלת טיפול רפואי בבית החולים פוריה. גבר בן 42 נפגע בינוני עד קשה ממכת חום במרוץ סלוד שהסתיים בצהריים. עוד ארבעה נפגעו קל. הנה פרמדיק מד"א אופיר שיש שניהל את האבטחה הרפואית במרוץ. במהלך המרוץ 
טופלו מספר נפגעים, בהם גבר כבן 40 במצב בינוני עד קשה, הסובל ממכת חום, ועוד ארבעה נפגעים שסבלו גם הם ממכת חום במצב קל יותר. כל הנפגעים פונו לבתי החולים. המשטרה יצרה חשוד בהפצת התראות שווא על מטען בפתח תקווה. החשוד התקשר במהלך השבוע האחרון לתחנת המשטרה כמה פעמים, ודיווח כי המטען עומד להתפוצץ בתוך שעתיים. בכל פעם הוקפצו לזירה כוחות משטרה גדולים, וההודעה התבררה כמזויפת. החשוד, תושב אשדוד, יובא היום להארכת מעצר. בתחנת הכוח אורות רבין בחדרה הופעלה הלילה לראשונה הערובה הרביעית שהוקמה להפחתת פליטות הגזים המזהמים. כתבנו ניתאי ענבי שמע את סמנכ"ל חברת החשמל אורן הלמן. בפעם הראשונה הופעלה היום באורות רבין הערובה הרביעית שבה הותקנו מסננים שמפחיתים את פליטות המזהמים ב-90% בערך. הפלומה הלבנה שניתן לראות שמתעמרת מהערובה בחדרה היא לא עשן, היא עדי מים בעצם, קיטור, שמעידים על הפעילות התקינה של היחידה. מהיום בחדרה נושמים אוויר נקי עוד יותר. והתחזית ירידה בטמפרטורות. לעוד עדכונים חפשו גל"צ בטוויטר. אלה החדשות שעורך איתמר קציר בצוות ענבר טוויזר ובן קטן. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas Vayikra. Well, uh, we, we've spoken to Dr. Mark, Dr. Mark Singer, who's with us live via telephone in, uh, in a variety of situations over the years, to say the least. Uh, he is right now currently on a very, very meaningful trip, uh, which he will explain and, um, and uh, report to us here at J.M. in the A.M. Dr. Mark Singer, welcome back to J.M. in the A.M. Good morning, Nachum Siegel. Good morning, J.M.N.A.M. listeners, how are you? Baruch Hashem. Tell everybody uh, what you've done so far, and I say it like that because I know that the hometowns of your of your parents were involved earlier in the week, and uh, tell everybody where you are uh, today. Well, let me explain where I am right now, which is on a bus heading to Krakow, Poland. I am serving as team doc for one of the groups with Heritage Tours going through Poland which takes kids from everywhere, uh, young people studying in Israel for the year, uh, young people from the United States want to go on a tour through Poland. The advantage of going with this group is that Shabbos, meals, everything is provided for. Um, you mentioned hometowns, and uh, as you well know, both my parents were sole survivors of their respective families, and I came a day early before the tour, and spent the day driving to my father's hometown and seeing where he grew up, and my mother's hometown to see where she grew up. Any, uh, any, any way you could describe for us what that was like, and if you saw anything that anybody might think resembled what they would have seen back when they were young? <laughs> the towns that I saw, I mean, I, I went in expecting shtetls. Um, which we all know from watching Fiddler on the Roof and countless other movies. It was a modern city. I did get a chance to visit towns that still look like Stettler and many, many sites that our parents and our relatives were not privileged to see during their lifetime. Um, the one comment I just made and will keep on making is that many of us have seen movies and gone to museums but there is nothing like seeing it in three dimensions. Wow. 
Dr. Mark Singer is with us. He is the medical escort for a group of teenagers uh, who are studying in Israel who are now spending a few days in Eastern Europe. Um, will you be spending Shabbat in Krakow? That's what I'm looking forward to. And um, it will hopefully be very meaningful. And is there a way for you to describe what you see the teenagers going through as they're going through some very sensitive areas when it comes to our Jewish history? Uh, is there a way for you to describe the impact that it might be having on them while you're, you know, touring with them during all of this? The, we are privileged to have a very experienced and very emotional tour guide who's able to tug literally at the heartstrings of these young adults and to get them to feel some of the pain that they, that they need to experience on a tour like this. Um, for them, it's going to be a growth experience and able to touch a part of our history that is recent history. Wow. And for you, as you say, um, child of lone survivors when it comes to the two families that you come from, um, how different are things for you now than they were a week ago when you think back to a time when you had never seen any of this with your own eyes? I gives me a chance to really connect in three dimensions and you know, there are Holocaust tours, there are Holocaust lectures, but to actually see certain places and also to connect, there's nothing like go, going back to see where mom and dad came from. Right. That has its own historical perspective. The Holocaust has its own historical perspective. And to know what Poland looked like or was like in its prime pre-Holocaust also means a lot. Unbelievable. So there are different aspects we a tour like this, which I cannot recommend highly enough to whoever has the opportunity. Um, looking at it through the eyes of an adult is obviously different than through a young adult. Right. Um, but never too late. That's my best answer. Dr. Mark Singer, can't thank you enough for checking in. I would say enjoy. Maybe I'll say uh, continue to be inspired and have a wonderful Shabbat in Eastern Europe. Uh, it is nice to still stay connected to my friends and lintzes in the United States. I wish everyone Shabbat Shalom. There he is, Dr. Mark Singer. He's the medical escort for the Heritage Tours program that is uh, currently in Krakow that has teenagers from Israel visiting Eastern Europe and some very significant sites, as you heard him describe. Unbelievable. Nine minutes after 7 o'clock. Plenty more coming up. You are listening to JM in the AM. Hey. 
much AM in the AM. Oh, yeah. Friday morning on the Zerif Shabbos Parshas by Yikra. Candle lighting at 7 o'clock later today, 7 p.m. in the New York City area. Uh, I thank you, those uh, listening around the world. Don't forget, we have an amazing and incredible schedule for you on a Friday. Uh, we've got Naomi Nachman. She's going to be uh, taking care of the uh, table for two programs starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Our guests today will include Executive Chef uh, Alex Remmer of Fireside and Muncie, Jay Booksbaum of Royal Wines, who's going to be visiting us on Wednesday as well, and the Duby Litvin, creator of the Frazzled Woman's Guide to Pesach. They'll all be guests of Naomi's coming up between 9 and 10 this morning. Uh, right after JMDM. Then the KEDM presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix is going to be on all through the day, including a live lunch from Mark Zamek. Please keep in mind Moshe Ben Yehudis for Rafur Shlema. Moshe Ben Yehudis for Rafur Shlema, and your help with that is greatly appreciated. Want to wish a Mazel Tov to the Sprecher and Garfinkel families. Yaakov and Racheli are a recently engaged couple. We had the opportunity to celebrate at the engagement party last night, and we say Mazel Tov from all of us here. At JM and the AM to Mendel and Fagi Sprecher and to Avram and Chana uh, Garfinkel and both families. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Mazal Tov going out to our Mordechai Besser, guest of honor at the MDS dinner this coming Sunday night, and to Dahlia Schwab, the uh, Charles and Ellis Bentheim Distinguished Service Awardee. It's going to be a beautiful dinner at Manhattan Day School this coming Sunday, and we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Hey, those of you in Florida, we mentioned this yesterday. Uh, and um, if you're going to be in Florida for Pesach, uh, North Miami Beach area, or if you are um, uh, in Florida right now and you know will, will again be there on Pesach because you live there, keep in mind that Yeshiva Torres Chaim Torres MS, in conjunction with the Young Israel of Greater Miami and Kehilas Ava Shalom, are presenting a night of Jewish music, a community event for the entire family with Shua Lairfield. It's happening Matzah uh, Yontif, Wednesday night, Cholamoid, Matzah Yontif, Wednesday night, Cholamoid, April 12th, starting at 9.30 at the Torres MS Ballroom on North Miami Beach Boulevard in North Miami Beach, Florida. It's free admission. It is free admission. There are sponsor seats for reserved seating, but it's free admission. Shua Lairfield will perform a night of Jewish music, a community free community event for the entire family. Information, you can dial 305-389-6687, 305-389-6687. Uh, or you can email me, and uh, I'll, I'll make sure listener Cena gets the uh, email, and she'll answer whatever questions you may have about the concert coming up uh, Wednesday night of Cholamoid, right after the first day's Yontif. So that's happening down in Florida, getting set for that. Um. I want to thank our friends at Manischewitz. We had an amazing time yesterday. I want to thank our friends at Seasons in Lakewood, New Jersey. We really had an amazing time down there, uh, courtesy of both them and Manischewitz, as we did our final pre-Pesach live lunch, uh, road on the road live lunch um, uh, yesterday. It was really a lot of fun. Beautiful store down there, really beautiful store. Manischewitz just continues to hit these uh, brand-new products out of the park. So a very, um, a very big... Uh, compliment and thank you to them a reminder yom yushalayim number 50 is coming up yom yushalayim number 50 is coming up the question of course will you be in yushalayim on yom yushalayim toward the end of may yes or no um the our friends at the mizrahi are ready to uh, handle the entire trip for you all you got to do is um is go and log on 
make sure that somebody from your family, your organization, your shul, uh, from your men's club, from your sisterhood, make sure from your organization, make sure somebody's representing you there in Israel on May the 24th for the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. Uh, information, Mizrahi.org slash YY50. Mizrahi.org slash YY50. Here's Eitan Katz.
Eitan Katz, we've got our weekly update coming up here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline's going to join us. Everybody, you didn't coming up at about 8.15 this morning. Keep that in mind, and uh, he'll address us regarding the Torah portion of the week. Wrap things up at 9 o'clock. You know, Matis has announced his guest for Sunday morning. Matis Weingast has announced his guest for Sunday morning. On Sunday, JM, he will speak to Rabbi Moshe Rosenberg. He is author of the unofficial Hogwarts Haggadah. I hope I even pronounced that right. Is it Hogwarts? <laughs> I hope I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> so, uh, Sunday morning, Rabbi Moshe Rosenberg, the unofficial Hogwarts Haggadah, Matis Weingast gets the opportunity to uh, speak with him about it on our airwaves right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. All right, so keep that in mind. Make sure to be tuned in on Sunday, especially if you are a Hogwarts and Passover fan. More coming up. It's JM in the AM with Avramel. Oh, 
It's Avram Freed. Kishoshana, Eitan Katz before that. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Vayikra, candle lighting 7 o'clock in the New York area. Mazel Tov, Rai Mordechai Besser, guest of honor, uh, Manhattan Day School dinner this coming Sunday night. Mazel Tov from all of us here at JMNAM. Was flattered that he was able to join us yesterday. Oh, congratulations to Manhattan Day School on the big sixth grade basketball victory yesterday. That was a good one. Please keep in mind Moshe Ben Yehudas for Rafur Shlema. Moshe Ben Yehudas for Rafur Shlema, and I thank you for that. Mazel tov to the Sprecher and Garfinkel families. Yaakov and Racheli are a recently engaged couple. We had the honor of celebrating with them last night. We say Mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Reminder Matis on Sunday morning speaks to Rabbi Moshe, uh, Rabbi Moshe Rosenberg. Rabbi Moshe Rosenberg, the author of the unofficial Hogwarts Haggadah. <laughs> the unofficial Hogwarts Haggadah. Uh, he'll speak with him coming up uh, between 7 and 9 at some point during JM Sunday, this coming Sunday morning, right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. So make sure to be tuned in. Table for two with Naomi Nachman with a whole host of great guests, including Jay Booksbaum and the um, uh, executive chef at Fireside. They're both going to be part of the program today, right after JM and the AM, starting at 9 o'clock. Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, including Mark Zomik's live lunch coming up all through the day, all the way until candle lighting time. Can't uh, possibly have a better soundtrack for Erev Shabbos than ours um, on your phone, on your app, on your computer, on your web radio, on your uh, on your call-in line, whatever method you use to listen. So make sure to be tuned in all through the day. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend us to their uh, hundreds of thousands of readers uh, in terms of uh, musical and uh, talk accompaniment. And if you want to print out 100,000 articles before Shabbos, 
You can do so about Israel and the Jewish world. You can do so by going to jewishworldreview.com. And a big thank you to OnlySimchas.com, who continue to utilize our content as part of their incredible news feed. Not just Simchas anymore, but news feed with hundreds, with hundreds of great events and wonderful happenings around the Jewish world. You'll find it all at OnlySimchas.com. And we thank them. And a reminder, Wednesday is our pre-Pesach show. Ask whatever you want of our panel. This Wednesday morning, starting at 7.30, live in studio. We'll use all the methods, the phone, the uh, app comments, email, all the email addresses. Everything will be open for you to ask whatever you wish about the upcoming holiday of Pesach, which, surprise, surprise, begins a week from Monday night. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Yeah, good morning. Morning to you. Seems the Prime Minister has resolved the whole um, Department of Broadcasting issue with those who are against him in the Israeli government. And that means, based on our uh, assumption from last week, that there will not be new elections in the state of Israel. Well, this is just one issue, and it's still not completely clear how it's resolved. I think it's been resolved with some sort of an understanding that's really not an understanding. And um, it, it was an issue between Kahlon uh, and the and the Prime Minister. It seems Prime Minister made some concessions, and um, Kahlon accepted it. So there is the old IBA, Israel Broadcast Authority, the new one, they they move the news departments around, right? But there uh, will always be other issues that that uh, that will arise. But for now, this immediate threat is is removed. But there's still deep divisions and and many issues uh, which have to be uh, addressed in the future. It looks like they've sort of spun off the news department. That's what it seems like. Well, it's not clear what the, what the end outcome will be. Where the news department, the new one, the old one, uh, will end up. Um, some have speculated that this was an attempt by the prime minister, um, to, uh, incorporate into the Israeli media, um, a, um, uh, a, a, a news source or a news outlet that might be friendlier to those of his political background. I hope I'm saying this in as diplomatic a way as possible. <laughs> do, do you think, do you think that that effort is now, uh, completely quelled and, and that the, the, uh, those who normally dominate the Israeli media will likely continue to dominate uh, with this new arrangement. Well, I mean, the the uh, question of who dominates it is uh, well is is because there's been a lot of shifting in recent years in terms of the addition of Israel Ayom, the the different channels, uh, the addition of, of course of the internet and of the websites which are now swamping the the newspapers, as each of them have their own news sites and, and and online sites so the the actual distribution of news is has been undergoing changes as they ha- as as was true here and is true here and we certainly saw it during the election and post election so the same phenomenon is true there and by the way even even in many of the close societies this shift is taking place as people have more news that are harder to control, more sources of news that are hard, harder to control and harder to limit. So you have felt that personally. You, you, you've been in Israel and you've, you feel that it, it may not be balanced, but it is, it is swinging in a different direction than it used to. Slowly, I would say that it's it, it, at the, the left controlled most of the major newspapers. Right. Uh, certainly, 
had a strong influence amongst the journalists, and uh, I would say that it's it's less than it was, but still the the press as here tends to be center center left. Very interesting. All right, APAC convention was this week. If you have any observations, obviously we're curious about your analysis. It is, I, I wonder, and, and I know they're a member organization, I'm, I'm, and I'm looking for analysis. I'm not looking for, you know, compliments or criticism. But I'm wondering if if the goal or the operation, the way APAC, you know, operates in Washington is going to be much different because of this administration. We, we know about the past administration. We know the challenges in terms of, you know, keeping Israel front and center and keeping Israel's interests front and center. Do you think APAC and APAC-like activities are going to be very different in D.C. now because of the new administration? No, I don't think that what they do changes. The job was to to advocate and to, uh, I mean, obviously the substance of some of the issues may change because the administration has uh, different views. But I, I think that we still remain with the fundamental issues, the, the certainly the process in the Middle East. We saw the Arab League meeting this week, and, and Mr. Greenblatt was there, and some of the statements that were made. Uh, the, so the, the the issues that we the question of uh, of whether there will be progress on a peace process, which seems to be a high priority uh, for the new administration, the issue of arms sales. The, there are so many issues that are really relevant. And, and as you know, King Abdullah is coming. President Sisi of Egypt is coming. The President Abbas seems to be coming all within the next couple of weeks. So the Middle East and the Israeli-Palestinian issue will be uh, in the forefront. The Arab League meeting ended with a very strong call, uh, an endorsement for a regional approach, a new Arab uh, initiative, uh, and calling on the administration to take uh, to take advantage of the moment and to move ahead. So I, I think the attendance of 19,000 people was a very important political statement. The fact that the vice president came and many others uh, got uh, Nikki Haley, who got a hero's welcome there, the, new, the ambassador to the United Nations uh, from the United States. The, uh, and if you look at the array of issues, Iran remains the same issue that it was before. We have the challenges in, in many areas of the world. North Korea certainly represents it. We see the expanding footprint of, of Russia in the region, the, crescent, the, the Shiite crescent. So I think that the role for the Jewish community as a whole, not just APAC, remains as important and maybe even more important. Now. Yeah. As Congress is so divided, you know, we have to work harder to make sure to get through things and not allow Israel and and the issues of concern to us to become subject to the partisanship that's, that is so blatant now. Yeah, I put it as APAC and APAC-type activities. Um, if I would end, believe me, for me, it's hard to think back this far also, even though it's only a couple of months. If I would have asked you before January 20th, would you have conjectured that a peace deal was a high priority for this administration? In other words, for Jewish leadership, is this somewhat of a surprise, the way they're aggressively going after it? It is a surprise, and a surprise about some of the things that are being said or, or the way they're being said. The fact that he, he met, amongst others, the foreign minister of Qatar, one of the three or four foreign ministers who met Qatar, has been playing a very negative and hostile role. And I hope that he gave a very strong message, which I assume uh, he did, uh, that um, I, I don't think anybody would have anticipated that this would, in the first months, when there are so many issues going on, and they are tackling very serious issues from government reform to, to the specific uh, matters, uh, health care, etc., that Middle East peace at a time when 
there doesn't seem to be much of a prospect really for reaching an agreement as much as there is for having a process. But uh, it, we don't know what agreements and understandings they have with the prime minister, how that whether this is uh, a common approach to try to to address this issue and see whether something can really be done. Abbas celebrated his 82nd birthday this week. Wow. Uh, he's not getting younger, and the, there is no obvious successor right now to to uh, Abbas. So many people feel that they got to move while they while they still can. But we saw the gathering in Turkey of Palestinians, which reiterated all of the negative positions from right of return to, to the border lines of, of uh, 48. So, you know, we, we, we're, we, and we see the emergence in Syria of, of a new and threatening situation. We've seen the Palestinians now have these new missiles in, in Hamas, in Gaza. We see that, that them closing, by the way, Hamas closed the crossings to Gaza, and for the first time, the Arab League criticized them. But more importantly, the United Nations actually came out with a criticism that wasn't directed at at, uh, at Israel. Mm. <laughs> so that's something you could uh, celebrate. And by the way, you know, at the Arab League, Abbas, which to me just shows that nothing changes with him. He didn't take this advantage advantage of the opportunity with the. It was a one day meeting, and and uh, by the way. The king of Morocco did not even come, but most of the others, and certainly the foreign ministers, were all there. That that what was his agenda? That the Arab League should endorse his demand for an apology from Britain for the Balfour Declaration of a hundred years ago. This was at the Arab League. You're saying that at this week's at the meetings two days ago. That um, was what. And, and, and by the way, and and by the way, for those and and I, I don't need to lecture people on whether you know on the significance of the Balfour Declaration, yes or no. But you have said a million times to us that this is their attempt always to obliterate important historical elements that that have, especially those that have a role in the founding of the state of Israel or in proving that that Jews have a right to what we call now the state of Israel and the land of Israel. And and therefore, for that alone, it's worth the battle when they come up with things like this about apologizing for Balfour. Absolutely, and we have it again with uh, this ESQA group is going to come out with a new report. That's the. Economic and Social Council of Western Asia, which is 18 Arab countries. They have a headquarters that sits in Beirut. And when we talk about reform of the UN and cutting agenda, this is really where a cut should be made. They have a $70 million budget, which seems to be devoted solely to criticizing Israel on a propaganda machine. 400 people sitting there. That uh, They came up with this report that they hired Falk, uh, notoriously anti-Israel. Uh, former UN employee, and, and uh, he, he wrote a report calling Israel an apartheid state that was removed. The Secretary General intervened. Others, the United States, very strongly came out against it. We worked very hard. In fact, we first revealed it because it had been sitting on a website, but nobody really took action. And once they got geared up, they, they, uh, the director, the head of the agency, resigned. Then it turned out she only had two weeks left, and she was on vacation those two weeks. In the meantime, Qatar hired her, put her in charge of a non-governmental organization that will carry on that work. And now we learn that there's going to be a new report that's going to say what the cost of 50 years of Israeli occupation is. They have an annual report that does assessments, and maybe that's what it will be, but, but that will become the basis then for claims against Israel. My point being that, that if, if you take a look at uh, uh, where we're headed right now with the, the Arab world, talks about new opportunities, many of the countries working with Israel in, in new and different ways. 
And yet, when it comes to the bottom line, putting the pressure on, we see that that it continues. Uh, by the way, you alluded to something a couple of minutes ago. Um, um, are are you? Do you worry when you see failed negotiations in Washington last weekend? Of course, being prime among them. Do you worry when you see failed negotiations, especially on high-profile issues, that that will in fact encourage Washington, the White House specifically? To, to restart or aggressively pursue a peace process, or, or, or th- that's already too much of a stretch? I think it's too much of a stretch. They, they have spoken about it, and obviously appointing uh, someone to, to be a special envoy who's been out in the Middle East, was at the meeting itself uh, the second time in, in, I guess, a month that, that they travel out there. So they're obviously giving it uh, a lot of attention, a lot of urgency, the visits here. They don't deal solely with this. Obviously, visiting people, uh, especially CC, whom I will see next week, and uh, the, the King of Jordan. He has many other issues. He's got tremendous internal security issues. He has tremendous needs that both countries that uh, they hope the new administration will address. But the um, yeah, but we're seeing much more emphasis on it, and it, it isn't di- directed. In fact, I think that a lot of the energy is being drained by the divisive uh, fights that, that we see. And in the meantime, others are taking advantage of it. Yeah. You know, Iran just said yesterday that Russia can use its military bases on a case-by-case basis. Well, while Russia has already built now the, the new uh, Air Force base under construction, a naval base in Syria, in Libya, expanding its influence, um, uh, moving ahead. And, and if you look at what's happening in Syria, where we see not only do they have those two bases, they have others. Turkey is now building uh, bases and uh, military bases in the zone that it controls. Uh, the U.S. has built uh, a military base uh, specifically in, in the Kurdish areas where it's uh, safer for them to do it. But uh, Iran already has the, the two bases, one in uh, of the Iran Revolutionary Guard and another in the uh, Azan Mountain area near Aleppo. The British have a, have a base there. But most of them are seeking influence. In the case of Iran, it's seeking control. And and now, with the control that they've asserted over Lebanon, and we have more and more information about both the infrastructure that's there and the underground missile fast factories and the amount of money that they're pouring in uh, uh, to, to, uh, to Lebanon, and the Shiite Crescent going all the way from uh, Tehran, through Iraq, through Syria, to Lebanon, to the Mediterranean, gives them something that they have have long sought. Right, and this, and and, this, and, and, yeah. and, and the buildup. I just want one yeah. other thing, so people understand the context that this relates then to what happens in the Golan, their ability to to put IRGC militias, Shiite militias, and others. They're they're changing the population. They're removing the Sunnis. More than uh, a, a very significant part of the Sunni population is now gone and is not coming back because they're not going to let them come back. So the the you know these issues are they're, they're all creating facts on the ground, and we we can't be diverted by partisanship right now from uh, addressing. These, these really vital issues. Uh, Russia uh, is, is helping Iran establish the control you just described, correct? They have a common interest right now, but one was to keep um, uh, Assad in power, and that seems to be a fait accompli, according to some of the comments that have been made, that they assume that he is, he is going to remain. Uh, there were some comments made by U.S. officials that they backed off of now over the last 24 hours to... To, um, in, in support of, of that position, but um, 
uh, yeah. The point, yeah. The point being, and this is you know again off of what we discussed last week. The point being, the stronger Russia gets, automatically the stronger Iran gets in that area if they continue this type of of relationship. Absolutely, Iran's interest is is not just limited to to this, and they are very cleverly. That's why I pointed out that the the uh, expansion of their uh, military footprint of the fact that they now have access, they're providing weapons. Hamas now got these heavy rockets, which pose a really serious threat to the communities along the southern border because of their weight and the maximum damage to these communities near the border. They're like some of the rockets in Hezbollah's arsenal, the Borkan, which is a short range, but carries very heavy... A payload. Where'd they get them from? Iran. Oh, from Iran. But but in in the case of of Lebanon now, they're manufacturing them there, and uh, you know this saves them the trouble of of going underground. Now they also have the supply route. Once this road is is completed, that they will be able to provide uh, weapons through by land routes and not flying them in, which can often be detected or subject to. Uh, Taken down. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network and, and uh, of course on our beloved NSN app. Plenty coming up all through the day on our network here. Make sure to keep it here all day long. Malcolm Honline is with us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. So what happens? Israeli intelligence tries to intercept these deliveries. Uh, especially the ones to Hamas in Gaza, and and they and what happens? They just miss it, or they, or they don't act on it, or they don't know about it. Like what? What? What is the? How effective is Israel? It, it seems in some cases they're so aggressive going after these deliveries, and and in other cases, I assume it just happens without their knowledge, right? They are all of the above, and they may have other methods uh, for delivering uh, uh, the weapons. Um, the the um, you know, the Putin and Rouhani met in in Moscow this week also, where they discussed both the Caspian Sea, the legal status, et cetera, think issues between them, but also about expanding this uh, the joint cooperation and with uh, freedom to move in, in Syria with the limitations that are imposed on Israel because you have the S-300. We saw the Syrians, remember, last week fired uh, uh, missiles against them. So Israel has to make a decision each time it acts a, that it's certain about the, the movement of weapons of consequence. They don't take out the rifles and BB guns that are going there, but right. they've, they've done dozens of raids, not often reported, where they have removed uh, the threat and taken out warehouses, taken out you know, convoys right. uh, I of mean, weapons. I mean, these short range going mi- north. Yeah, these short range missiles, the likelihood is if, if, if utilized, they're going to end up in Israeli cities, right? I mean, we would, we would think. That's the well. That's what they're targeting. They're right. targeting Syrian targets. They right. they do use uh, some heavy weapons against each other, and we still see you know the that and, and as ISIS's footprint is shrunk, the Iranians uh, fill the void. Right, but I mean, and but their I, front groups. Do. Right, but I mean, even the ones going into Gaza. I mean, we know they're going to end up. Uh, you know, the goal would be to use them, utilize them against Israeli cities. Right, and when, and Hamas is saying, don't don't forces into a war to, right. the, to the other groups there, to the Salafi groups, because they say we're not ready and then we're going to lose our, our arsenal. When, when, Israel I'm sorry. is very concerned about the buildup that you're referring to. It's right. not small. When CeCe shows up in Washington, right, who 
who's there to remind the White House about the 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 urgency, and I think you'd agree with that word, of the cooperation now between Egypt and Israel. Is that something that he brings up in discussion or not? It does, and and of course the administration, I think, uh, is is supportive of it. The, the um, it wasn't always true that U.S. administrations were supportive of, always of the cooperation, but it is true, and it and it has been uh, expanding constantly, um, both regarding Hamas, regarding ISIS, regarding the Sinai. Uh, that the the level of cooperation is still uh, quite remarkable, and the um, and and the and the common enemy of Iran is driving them all together. Right. This is uh, you know it's not always Abbas Mordechai. It's it's sometimes the Sinat Haman that yeah. that really drives the uh, countries together, and and we're seeing that now. And and you know, the reason why it's sometimes important is to to see the the nature of of what we're dealing with in terms of Iran, what what they're doing to undermine the Bahraini government, the Saudi government, and uh, in terms of uh, Egypt. Egypt yesterday came out at the meeting with a very strong criticism of Iran, and that was important because, you know, they had the Saudi-Egyptian tensions grew out and largely of the fact that Egypt was cooperating more with Iran and I guess made some statements and things and, and for the Saudis and all the other countries in the Gulf. Iran's threat is is so immediate, and that caused, amongst other things, a division over the islands. Uh, and that division was very costly for the United Arab Front against uh, against Iran. So the statement by Egypt yesterday was considered very significant. Uh, tell me about the new town, the new community in the Shomron. Is it really over twenty five years since Israel has uh, has authorized a? "Quote unquote settlement building um, in Judea or Samaria." It is uh, unbelievable. It has been decades since a new, a completely new community and this was is, uh, and this is in reaction to Almona. That's what the, or replacement for or some relationship to right. It, and, and I, I would assume that this. I'd have to, hate to be so skeptical, but I would assume that this is helpful to the prime minister when it comes to domestic policies. Otherwise, he would never have authorized it. Correct. That's a good assumption. Yeah, a good assumption mm-hmm. is right. Um, the UN condemned it. Am I correct? Every, yes, of course they're going did to the condemn White, did any the White, did the White House, against any construction. Right. Did the White House have, a, have what we would call an effective condemnation? We have not seen it. I have not seen it yet. Uh, do you expect it? Do I expect the condemnation? I expect that this will be a subject of discussion. Um, they, they, look, they've issued so many statements. Um, uh, from the administration about restraining construction. They didn't use the same language as right. before, but they have reiterated that uh, that warning or that, that message. And by the way, not unusual for American representation to be at the Arab League Summit, correct? No, they're not always represented uh, oh, so it, at the it, meeting. It, it, depends, uh, it depends on the administration in Washington. It, yes, of course. Okay, I missed that before. When you said it earlier, I thought it was it was sort of like you know, fait accompli every year or every time. There's oh, there's always American representation. This is significant that that the U.S. would be represented there uh, because it doesn't always happen. Right, well, and and the and the level of representation can change. You can have the local ambassadors right. uh, can often participate or uh, lower level. Uh, right now, again, the administration still is is far from fulfilling and filling all of the jobs and all the positions. So uh, there will be other people who will be involved, but there, there is a team, and, and 
and the fact that they were present is very important. And is there any way, you know, many have often hesitated to endorse, how do I put this, many in our community, especially in this audience, have often hesitated to endorse a peace gathering that would include parties other than Israel and the PA. Let's put it that way for a moment. I know the PA can be represented by other entities as well. Uh, but you know what I'm getting at. I'm getting yeah, it. I'm the getting Prime at. Minister himself is now pushing a more of a regional approach. This, I think, uh, undercuts it, what we saw at, in, in, um, in Amman and some of the proposals that came forward. So I think, uh, but, but the Prime Minister himself has often talked about a regional approach and, and the Arabs, again, offering peace with the Arab countries uh, if in, in a deal. So the, and, and that is, is important incentive, obviously, for Israel, but it's not the sole consideration. Right, understood. All right, tell me about Israel's uh, outreach, if that's the right word, with Venezuela and Nicaragua. Um, I, are these key countries for them to open diplomatic ties? Uh, the purpose, what you know, what does Israel gain from all of this? It, it's very important, uh, especially because of Iran's growing influence and, and expansion of its activities in South America and the, the cutting off of ties. Uh, going back to the Gulf War, to the uh, Gaza War, uh, was an excuse. But even Venezuela talking about renewing relations tells you, number one, the importance of Israel, that they want trade, that they consider it significant, especially vis-a-vis the new administration in Washington. So there are many things that might go into the into the accounting, but this is something that's been worked on for, for some time. There are both Jewish, small Jewish communities, but Jewish communities nonetheless in these countries that they have an interest in, but uh, trade and other things are very important. We can't be cut off. Israel can't be cut off from a, a region of the world. And right, but we, have, we but we always view Venezuela as having you know very strong ties to real enemies of Israel, and itself is an outspoken right. and the leaders have been outspoken. So how does uh, critics this, and and uh, how, yes, does this, how does so this come about? How does you're, this lo- you're looking for rationale? You're yeah. looking for things to be. <laughs> <laughs> to make sense. <laughs> Nothing in the world is explicable today. It just doesn't make sense to me because you're talking about opening diplomatic relations with a country that has been outspoken against Israel and that really is aligned as you described. I mean, do you know what kind of descriptions you've given us over the years when it comes to Iran and Venezuela? Yeah, well, Venezuela went from Chavez to Maduro, Maduro, and now the new vice president is an Iranian agent, somebody, I mean, so- uh, their, their man. Uh, so I, I don't think that you'll see it so soon with Venezuela that it's going to move that quickly. The other countries have been moving in, and many of them uh, stand to benefit. Israel provides assistance in agricultural and technical and trade in other areas that that uh, uh, it is significant. It's it's not to be dismissed. But you can't look for rationale. You look at the, the numbers that came out on the trade with Iran recently, right. showing that it went up from uh, one and a quarter billion to eleven billion in, in foreign investment. And yet Iran is number 131 of the 170 countries as the most corrupt uh, countries, meaning that you can't rely on this. The banks still are reluctant to do business. And yet people are signing contracts. Many of them never get uh, get truly filled. And, uh, you know, people people are, are, as one of the UAE ambassadors said, that we're seeing uh, Iran's um, uh, nuclear program is in slow motion, but they're moving ahead all the time uh, towards uh, towards having the capacity. They they continue to expand their activities, and yet you don't see the kind of response that, as you looking for rationality, would expect. In fact, this week, something I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, months ago, but this week the construction is going to begin 
on the new railroad that's going to go from Russia through Azerbaijan to the southern part of the ports of of, uh, of Iran. It will have a profound impact because shipping and uh, cargo movements, a lot of other things, will be involved. And I don't want to go into all the details, but it's it's a, a very long railroad that will transverse this entire area. This is something that the Tsars dreamed of having. And all these things are just happening. It, it will eventually link to China, to Kazakhstan, to Pakistan uh, by rail, which has obviously implications for commerce and economic implications, but also political implications. Right. Well, I can imagine. And and you saw that General Votel, the head of the CENTCOM, the Central Command, talked about the the, the, the considering the need for disruption of of uh, Iran by military means, uh, and. Uh, I think that people should read those statements uh, carefully. Yeah, no question about it. And Iran continues to build up its own allies as well, um, not not just their own country. I mean, that that's the whole basis of the weapon shipment that we spoke about earlier. Um, that and and their work now in Africa. Right. Again, met with African leaders this week who are apoplectic about it. And certainly, what we see as far as Asia, Latin America, everywhere. They're all going to come around the African countries eventually, right? They're all going to come around. Well, there is a big movement. There's no doubt that there is a. Oh, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm just shocked that anybody's not on board yet with Israel from Africa, Frank. <laughs> that's that's my point. Well, it takes some time. I guess so. Although these It'll days, move quickly. These days, everybody wants everything quickly. Uh, the you posted this one. The um, uh, the airstrikes against Al Qaeda in Somalia. Uh, one wonders because remember remember his pledge. Remember how. You remember what, what what the president of the United States said during the campaign about his efforts against Al Qaeda and against those types of terrorist groups. I mean, is this significant that the U.S. has now increased and ramped up the strikes against Al Qaeda in Somalia? Are there other areas that they're ignoring that they shouldn't, they shouldn't be? Look, we can't hit them everywhere because they're operative in many countries in Africa and elsewhere. Uh, we are uh, building up our so we're building up our military, but it'll take a long time till we have the capacity. We can't, but what we have to do is to get the local forces to be more active, to get the African the um, uh, organization, African community, and others to take more responsibility. And the United States has to give it the leadership. But if they are convinced that the U.S. will be there, if the U.S. assists and the U.S. can provide technology, we can provide many other things. But we can't be in every one of these places. And the local governments have to take more steps to root them out, to really be active. Uh, you know, sometimes they believe if it's in an isolated in the north of the country, south of the country. No, you, you, when it comes to these groups and these terrorist activities, they really have to be dealt with and addressed in strong ways. And the, the, um, the bombing, the increased military activity there is obviously significant. We want to see... Uh, these groups rooted out, Boko Haram and others, they're cancers. They keep metastasizing in bigger and bigger areas. Yeah, and the president made a commitment to uh, to do what he can to obliterate them. Uh, I know we, we can't say enough about Nikki Haley, I know, but on this BDS thing, <laughs> when she gets up and says, boycott North Korea, sanction Iran, divest from Syria, not Israel. I don't know. I got to praise her and her speechwriter for that one <laughs> because it's so effective. Whoever came up with that. It's like she's, and she's uh, as committed in private discussion and as enthusiastic about it. And you know that she, as a governor, passed signed the first anti-BDS legislation. Right. right. And so she's she's been uh, very outspoken. Um, uh, 
and considering you know the short time that she's been there, she's made a, a tremendous mark. And and she's a very you know she talked about a new sheriff in town right. at the United Nations and been very adamant pursuing. There's so much corruption here that has to be rooted out, There's, especially vis-a-vis Israel and the every agency that works against the Israel's interests. And and you can, the more we learn about all these propaganda machines that are hidden within the bureaucracy. That uh, that that's where we ought to be cutting the funding. But then, and I, I hate to end on this note, so I'll try not to. But then, of course, we read articles about Jewish pro BDS conferences that are going on, and they're hosting Palestinian terrorists. And you just and you spoke earlier in this conversation about divisiveness and and unity and the danger of the first and the importance of the latter. And and imagine that we have somebody in the United Nations who's standing up like that, but people within our own community who feel the need to have their own conference beginning today. Uh, right. That they're, they're, look, we're living in, in such a time of, of uncertainties and shifts and um, um, questions. And, and the question is, and the real issue is how we apply the resources we have, how we try to have some unity within as well as unity without and 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 hold to account people whose activities go against the interests both of the United States of Israel of our community. Yep. Hopefully we'll be successful at that. A good way to unify is to be in Israel together for Yom Yerushalayim. And I remind everybody Absolutely. as I know you do that on May the 24th the big celebration will be underway and will uh, fill the streets of Jerusalem as uh, Yom Yerushalayim number 50, the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem, takes place. We encourage our listeners to go to Mizrahi.org slash YY50, Mizrahi.org slash YY50, and to act accordingly. And Malcolm, you know what I say, if the entire group or organization can't go, at least send a representation. You know the importance of that. Everybody should be in Jerusalem if you really care. We're going to see uh, more efforts, another resolution like uh, the one last year that took away all of the Jewish and Christian names from the holy sites. We're trying to turn it around this time, but the, but the, the UNESCO is talking about another resolution. So the, this is a determined effort on the part of those who want to take away Jerusalem and, and deny it the Jewish connection and connection to the state of Israel, to the Jewish people. This is a chance to to tell the world that we care, and by filling it as the world focus will be on Jerusalem that week, it it will be a very important statement, and there will be a lot of exciting activities, I think, for people as well. So it's a unique opportunity, a historic moment to to be in Jerusalem. All right, your uh, your Shabbos Hagadol drasha next week. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> and then Pesach in San Diego, so people can get ready, uh, start preparing. Well, one second, can someone still make a reservation to join you in San Diego? I'm sure they can at the Pardes uh, program in San Diego. Boy, oh boy. I may have to reconsider my Passover plans. <laughs> okay, well, just, the suitcase is ready. I right? know you'd be more I know you'd be more than happy to have me. I know, I know, I know. Thank you, Malcolm. Even for you this one. Have a wonderful Shabbos. <laughs> Thank you. There he is, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organization. Of course he'd be more than happy to have me. Come on. Let me convince myself. Uh, we'll get to Rabbi Yudin coming up and plenty more on this uh, on this Friday morning Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. I, oh, I want to remind you, Matis has announced that he will be speaking to Rabbi Rosenberg on Sunday morning during JM Sunday. Uh, the unauthorized Hogwarts uh, Haggadah. Yes, I, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it properly. The unauthorized Hogwarts Haggadah, Rabbi Rosenberg with Matis on Sunday morning. By the way, we have a uh, an incredible... A lineup today 
uh, on our network, and I mean incredible. I'm not even exaggerating. I mean literally incredible. Um, you'll find it hard to believe. Uh, coming up, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time, it'll be Naomi Nachman at the top of the hour with uh, Table for Two. Uh, this week, her guests uh, will include Jay Booksbaum of Royal Wine, Chef Alex Remmer from Fireside and Muncie, and uh, Duby Litvin, creator of the Frazzled Woman's Guide to Pesach. That's between 9 and 10 this morning. The Arab Shabbos Music Mix will be sponsored by our friends at Kedem. We'll include the Arab Shabbos Live Lunch, uh, brought to you by Kedem from the one and only Mark Zomik. So make sure to be tuned in for that. Our Rummy host Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night. And of course, as I said, Matis welcomes Rabbi Moshe Rosenberg on uh, Sunday morning during um, during JM Sunday. You'll have an opportunity to uh, hear that. It's um, the unauthorized Hogwarts Haggadah. That's the way it was described to me. So you'll have an opportunity to enjoy that. Uh, conver- I, I'm telling th- those who know what that means, they will enjoy that conversation with Matis and Rabbi Rosenberg. Please keep in mind Moshe Ben Yehudis for a Shlema. Moshe Ben Yehudis for a Shlema, and we thank you for that. Mazel Tov to Mordechai Besser, the guest of honor at the MDS dinner coming up on Sunday night. Mazel Tov. And a reminder Yeshiva Taurus Chaim Taurus MS, in conjunction with the Young Israel of Greater Miami and Kehilas Ava Shalom, are presenting a night of Jewish music, a free night of Jewish music with Shua Lairfield. Happening on uh, Matzei Antif, Wednesday night, Cholomoid, starting at 9.30 p.m. at the Torres Chaim Torres MS Ballroom on North Miami Beach Boulevard in North Miami Beach. It's free admission. Information at 305-389-6687. 305-389-6687. So if you are living in the North Miami Beach area or if you're going to be down there in that area for Pesach, you may want to consider, you should consider, I would say, uh, that free event coming up Wednesday night of Cholomoid right after the first days of Yom Tov. All right, we're going to go to this uh, piece by Ari Boyanju very, very quickly, and then Rabbi Yudin's going to join us. Plenty more coming up on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos broadcast if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. Boyanju with a selection he calls Home for Shabbos here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. 
Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayikra. We begin the third book of the Torah, that of Sefer HaKorbanos, the book of offerings. And let me just tell you, according to the Chinuch, there are 16 mitzvos in this parsha, 11 positive mitzvos and 5 restrictions. I just want to give a very short introduction in the sense that we know that there are three different categories of laws in our Torah. There are what we call mishpatim, which are laws that man could have and would think of on his own, and yet the Torah includes them, logical laws that man needs for society. And we always have to look and see what else is the Torah including when the Torah says, thou shalt not steal. And the rabbis tell us, for example, that I can't even give the wrong impression. Gezel, to steal someone's da'as. When the Torah gives us a second category of mitzvos, meaning that matzah, if the Torah would simply say, eat this particular form of bread, flour and water, which has not leavened, and you are to eat it on the night that we celebrate our freedom from Egypt, that would be a chok, a law without a reason. But the Torah gives us a reason, namely that you were pushed literally out of Egypt, you were chased out of Egypt, and therefore it reminds us of God's not just involvement in our history and destiny, but literally He moves it along, and when the time comes for our redemption, it can come most speedily. The third category is that of chukim, laws without a reason. And if you take a look at the last halacha in the laws of Me'ilah, chapter 8, verse 8 of the Rambam, the Rambam says very carefully how careful we are to be with this third category of chukim, of laws which we don't understand the reason for. And he says, and I quote, v'chola korbonos kulam, all the Offerings are mechlal hachukim heim. They are in the category of chukim, statutes, law without a reason. But then he goes on to tell us that, listen carefully, Amru Chachamim, our rabbis have said, and he refers to the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, chapter 1, Mishnah 2, that the world stands on three things, Torah, Avodah, and Gemilus Chasodim, the study of Torah, the offerings that were brought in the temple, and today when we don't have the offerings, it is our prayer, and finally, the performance of good deeds, and the Rambam writes, Shebeshvil avodas ha-korbonos ha-olam omeid, literally, the bringing of offerings is so important, it's one of the pillars that maintains the world, and the rabbis tell us, we're going to cite at our Pesach Seder from chapter 15 in Bereshis, where God says to Avraham at the bris ben Absorim, at the covenant between the pieces, Yedoa teida, you shall surely know. 
that your children are going to be strangers in a land which is not theirs. So it is here that God promises the land of Israel to Avram and his children. And Avram asked Hashem, Oh my goodness, in chapter 15, verse 8, Bamo Eida ki iroshena. And what does that mean? It's understood by the Talmud in the Gemara Tanis 27b that Avram was asking that if, unfortunately, my children would sin in the future, what is going to maintain their ability to keep the land? And God answers him, He enumerates the various animals that were to be taken as korbanos, as sacrifices. And the Gemara tells us that in the absence of our actually offering the um, sacrifices, our recitation of them is exceedingly important. It's not just unashama parims for senu, what we can do, that we talk about, but it's the idea that as the word korban has the Hebrew word korov close in it, and it brought man and the Jewish people close to God, that is what our recitation of korbanos, and that is a strong reason why we should be reciting korbanos, the section, every morning before Pesukah Zimra, with greater care and with greater diligence. I'd like, however, to point out something very interesting. Pesach is coming. We don't yet have the Paschal Lamb, the Korban Pesach. But I'd like to show how significant this offering was and is and how it impacts on our life today. If you can, and you're in a position where you can just take down a couple of quick notes, I'll be honored if you were to list some of these uh, ways that I'm bringing to your attention. If I can cover nine of them, I'll try to. This is not a complete and total exhaustive list, but it shows how the Karban Pesach that we pine for, and please God, we will have again in the future, impacts on our life in the forthcoming holiday of Pesach. To begin with, there is the practice, the custom that we know that the firstborn fast on Erev Pesach. And the Be'er Yosef, Rav Yosef Salant, and Rav Shlomo Zalman, Orbach, Zechat Tzadik Levracha, each note that one of the reasons given for the fast is not only because the firstborn of Israel was spared, but the firstborn bemoaned the fact that ay, 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 they are not officiating at the Korban Pesach. And listen carefully, they would have been the officiants at the Korban Pesach were it not for the fact that the Jewish people committed the sin of the golden calf, and after that, the service was taken away from the firstborn, and it was given to the Kohanim. So the firstborn fast on Erev Pesach, a kind of atoning for their and our involvement in the sin of the golden calf. 
Now, interestingly, we know that Pesach doesn't begin until the night following the 14th. Why can't we eat chametz until the night? We know that we stop eating chametz four hours into the day. The reason for that is, and please take a note of this, is because the Torah says you're not permitted to have chametz and eat chametz when you bring the Karban Pesach. The Karban Pesach was brought from mid the day and on. Now, therefore from the Torah you can eat chametz until mid the day. The rabbis, however, were concerned they didn't have the kind of watches that we have today in clocks, and therefore, to make sure that they would not go over that biblical time of mid the day, they put it back two hours, and so we eat chametz until the end of the fourth hour. If you are in the New York area, you'll see the time given by the OU is that of 10.22 in the morning, according to the Mugen of Ram, and understand this is all based on the Korban Pesach, because the Korban Pesach was brought on Erev Pesach in the afternoon. In addition, next point, there is a custom that many don't work, especially in the afternoon of Erev Pesach, because Erev Pesach itself is a holiday, and the reason is because all Israel participated in the bringing of the Karban Pesach. When you brought your Karban, you certainly did not work on that day. And so here, others had the custom of maybe yes, maybe no in the morning, and the afternoon, nobody worked. And therefore, this practice is spilled over to this today. Number three, Lo Aleinu, if somebody is sitting Shiva, this is the only day, Erev Pesach, because it is in of itself a holiday, that you would get up at mid the day. Other times, before a Shabbos, before a Yom Tov, the family gets up, whoever is sitting Shiva, as much time as they need to prepare for that Shabbos or Yom Tov. The next one is, hey, many people take in Shabbos early, correct? Uh, especially in the summertime. I have young children, elderly parents. I want to start my Pesach Seder early from Plaga Mincha and on. And the answer is, no, you can't. Why not? Because of the Korban Pesach. Because regarding the Torah, regarding the Korban Pesach, the Torah says, the Ochluas HaBosor Palaylo Hazeh. You are to eat the meat of the Korban Pesach on this night, to the exclusion of starting earlier in the day. And, interestingly, one of the different reasons for the practice of baking matzah on Erev Pesach is, once again, in the afternoon when the Korban Pesach was brought, we, again, bring to life the activity, the hustle and bustle of Erev Pesach. We can't do it yet with the Korban, we do it with the baking of the matzahs. Now, interestingly, what kind of meat are you eating at the Pesach Seder? There are some Sfardim that eat roasted meat on the night of the Pesach Seder. And the reason for that is because it's a reminder, a remembrance of, please God, what we had and what we will have. The Korban Pesach was eaten roasted. 
And it's precisely for that reason that Ashkenazim do not eat roasted meat on the night of the Korban Pesach, the night of the Pesach Seder. Interestingly, the Afikomon, which is our dessert at the end of the meal. Okay, now watch. What is the purpose of this piece of matzah that we eat at the end of the meal? The Rosh says, well, since we used to have, when we had the Beis HaMikdash, and when we will have the third Beis HaMikdash, we will eat a lamb chop for dessert. Today, we don't have that yet, so we eat a piece of matzah as a reminder to us of that special dessert that we had and will have. The Rashbam, Rashi's grandson, says no, that the real mitzvah of matzah was the matzah that accompanied the Korban Pesach. And since the Korban Pesach was eaten, as we know, al-hasova, when you were full for dessert, therefore, as you ate the Korban Pesach at the end of the meal, so too the matzah was the primary matzah eaten at the end. You have no choice, says the Rashbam, but to make the bracha on the matzah earlier in the meal, because it is a Yom Tov meal, this is our bread, and so we begin the Yom Tov meal with the hamotzi, and once you're going to be eating the making the motzi over matzah, you're going to have to be eating the matzah. Once you're eating the matzah, you're going to say the brach of alachilas matzah. But the afikoman, according to the Rashbam, is the main mitzvah of matzah, which accompanied the korban pesach. Another one points out the Be'er Yosef, very sharp. We open the door after the Birkas HaMazon and we do so in honor of Elio Anavi, our optimism that is going to come. We were redeemed on this night. We will be redeemed in the future. One of the reasons that we open the door is to show Leo Shimurim, that it's a night that God protects us, and therefore we can literally open the door. If that's the case, asks the Ber Yosef, why not open the door at the beginning of the meal? Why do we wait till after the Birkas HaMazon? And he suggests, very interesting, something very sharp. And he says, this is found in his last piece on Parsha's bow, that, wait a minute, when we were privileged to eat the Korban Pesach, we had to do so within one location. The Torah says that you're not to take from the Korban Pesach outside. There might be many people in that one room in order to make sure that nobody took from the Korban Pesach outside, they locked the door. And therefore, you finished and you ate the Korban Pesach, which was the last thing that you ate. And then they opened the door. They went upstairs and said the Hallel on the roof with the fresh air. Ah, we remind ourselves of this when, please God, a week from this coming Monday night, we're going to be opening the door after the Birkas Amazon, after we've eaten once again, to remind ourselves of that practice which we had, and Mitzvah will have again. So these that we have listed, I hope, is going to be a strong 
binding reminder to us how important the Korban Pesach was and is, and please God, will be for the Jewish people forever. Shabbat Shalom to all. Good Shabbos, 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 good
Shabbos here at JM in the AM as we get set for uh, Shabbos Parshas Vayikra. Candlelighting at 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. in the New York City area. And it's time to say good Shabbos. Here's Journeys at JM in the AM. Good job, man. 
Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. And I remind everybody, we have incredible programming all weekend long, including starting next, Naomi Nachman with a Table for Two. Then our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix, including Mark Zamek. And the live lunch, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on an Erev Shabbos. Uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull with Avrami, featuring Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Matis Sunday morning with JM Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in. And, of course, Monday we are back here, starting at 6 a.m. Eastern Time at JM in the AM. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Until next week, Nahum Seagull reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.